There are many issues that plague youth. The church acts as a safe haven. It provides a place where youth can come together to hear the Word of God. Upper Room Media presents to you this Youth Talk, delivered from Sydney, Australia. Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So I want to ask you guys a question. Very big. So often, atheists, when they look at this problem of pain and suffering, they have this specific question for Christians. Okay? They say, if your God is almighty, meaning he's capable of everything, if your God is good, therefore he wants to do good, and if your God is loving, this, the combination of these three things together will make him always do good things because he's good and he's loving and he is almighty, therefore he is capable. Therefore, why is there suffering and pain in the world? Anybody would answer? Anybody has an answer? Yes. Excellent. Very good. So if I say it in a different way, when the atheists look at this, they consider God being almighty in that way. What does that mean? It means that He will overpower us regardless of what we do. Right? So at this point, in that understanding, God leaves no choice for the human being. And funny enough, that means if God does not leave a choice for a human being, is He loving? No. Right? Because love has a prerequisite to it, which is the free will. The choice to do or not to do. The choice to do good or to do evil, right? If I go and I have an exam, multiple choice questions, right? What's your favorite fruit? A, apple, B, apple, C, apple, D, apple. Whatever, let's say it's a test, like any kind of test, math, whatever it is, right? All the answers are the same. Do I really have a choice? No. We all got 100%. Can I say that I succeeded in that exam? No. Everybody else did as well. It becomes what? Completely meaningless. Right? The free choice to do what is good or what is evil is an absolute necessity for God to be loving. God is not a dictator. This understanding of Almighty means that God is dictator. And sometimes we think that God is Almighty in that way. Someone had cancer. Oh, it was God's will, as if God came and implanted the cancer in that person. That's not how it works. Cancer is a sickness, like other sicknesses. People ha happen to be sick. God is in control, but He allows also nature to do its thing. And when He chooses to, based on a bunch of things, on His wisdom, on the faith of the person, on the prayer life and all this stuff, He chooses to intervene, and that's called a miracle. And He does it sometimes. And other times he chooses not to intervene for whatever reason, right? So the idea is that pain and suffering can and do exist even if God is almighty, good and loving. 
because the Almighty here has a different meaning. So God is good, is perfect. And when He creates something, He creates it good. And you see this in Genesis all the time, right? God created the, the moon and the stars, whatever, okay? And He said it was good. God created humanity and said it was very good. He's perfect. Can God create something that is not perfect? No. Can God do evil? No. But why is there evil in the world? That's a question we have to ask ourselves. So, and the answer is very simple, really. Okay? God, so let's see what St. Basil says. He says, it is folly or it is craziness to believe that God is the author of our sufferings. This blasphemy destroys God's goodness. Illness is not fashioned or created by the hand of God. God who made the body did not make illness, just as he made the soul, but by no means made sin. God did not make death. What he's saying eventually is that when God created humanity, because he is good, because he is perfect, humanity was good and perfect. Therefore, death did not exist. Suffering, pain did not exist at the creation of Adam and Eve, when they came from the hand of God. St. John Chrysostom says the same thing, okay? Talking about Adam, if you wish to know the state of the body as it left the hands of God, meaning Adam, obviously God does not really have hands, okay? So he's speaking metaphorically here. Return to paradise and behold the man whom God had just placed there. His body was not subject to corruption. He experienced none of the infirmities or the sicknesses that we know in our day. God is good and therefore he creates good. We look at the book of Revelations. What do we find? That in heaven, is there pain and suffering in heaven? No. Right? Very clear. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. What does that mean? It means when God created humanity, it was perfect. Again, you'll hear me say this a billion times. The meaning of salvation in Orthodox understanding, it is the recreation or the healing of humanity. So in the beginning, no pain, no death, no suffering. At the end, when salvation is fully attained, no pain, no death, no suffering. Because the recreation happens. We are brought back to the original state we are in and more. Because we actually eat from the tree of life. That Adam and Eve did not eat from, which is unity with God. Anyways, but in the current state, do we see pain and suffering? Of course. And it's actually a huge part of our lives too. Why is that? What happened? It's a very easy question. What happened that, lead, that led humanity to suffer this pain? Yes. Okay, so sin, which le led to death, and led to what else? Corrupt human nature, very good. So sin, the sin of Adam and Eve, or the sin of humanity as a whole, it led to death, because I'm separating from the source of life, who is God, and it led to the corrupt human state. And that's the state we're all in now. That corrupt human state does have pain, does have suffering, and does have death. 
and is there temporarily until the fulfillment of salvation happens again in eternal life. Right? So, I already answered this. Okay, we already spoke about this. Very good. So this is the state we're in now. But let me ask you another question. What is evil? What is evil? Yes. Very good. So evil is the lack of good in the same way, in the same, do you have another example? Very good. So darkness is lack of light, coldness, lack of heat. Shut up, you take notes, it's very good. Right? <laughs> evil is lack of good. So St. Basil here, again, he says what? Evil is not a living or an animated substance. It's nothing in itself. Okay? It's actually just the lack of goodness in the same way that sin is the lack of virtue. Right? Because people ask the question all the time, well, you know, who created evil? Can God create evil? Absolutely not. This is craziness, like St. Basil says. But we know that the devil came and tempted Adam and Eve, so we know how they fell. But how did the devil fall in the first place? So the devil, when he was created, was he created as a devil? Was he created as a devil? He was an angel, right? Because if he's created as a devil, then God created what? Evil. Because the devil is evil. The devil was an angel, right? So like we have Michael, Gabriel type thing, right? So his name, quote unquote, was Sataniel. The eel at the end means God, okay? But the devil became evil. So when the devil was created good, when he became evil, he kept his power as an angel, but his state became an evilish state. But why is that? How can the devil become evil? And again, it's a very basic question. Can the devil become evil? Yes, but how? Hmm. Greed? Well, yeah, and, and part of it is that he wanted to become like God, right? But what gives that, yani, how, how does that happen? Marco? Hmm? Marco? Pride. Pride, but where does the pride come from in the first place? So I'm, I'm actually kind of asking an existential question, if you will. Like, take a step back. Hmm. He opposed himself to virtue, yes, but your answer implies something, and that implication is what I'm looking for. Yes. He himself Yeah, but again, it implies something that I'm looking for. Yusuf. He had a free choice. That's him. Oh, right. So what I wanted to say is this: if you have a person that is has a conscience, has a mind. So a mind plus choice equals the possibility of? Of what? A mind plus choice equals possibility for? Sin or for? Evil. 
right? So evil happens automatically when you have someone that has a mind and can therefore choose and has the freedom to choose to do something, right? Therefore, I choose to do good or I choose to do bad, okay? And that's why we have, it started from the devil, went to Adam and Eve, it extends to all of humanity, right? And evil is still obvious until today. Obviously, in this topic, I'm not tackling natural disasters that, that will happen in a different topic altogether, okay? Now we're talking just about evil and suffering from a human perspective, yes. So the, the idea is that the free will is, is there, but you halas, like in, in salvation or in heaven, you have chosen. Yeah. So at this point, you have chosen. So there will be no possibility to fall down. No, salvation becomes fulfilled. That's it. And, you, and once you taste God at that point in heaven, there's, there's no way you would go. You would draw back away from this. Yes. Yeah, but, um, but you said that God doesn't, doesn't break people, right? Yes, what is meant by that is that when you have light, you automatically have darkness. Like in the, you have good, you don't automatically have evil. But it does not create that dark, the darkness is nothing. The evil is nothing. Or it's the lack of good. It's not substantial in itself. You understand? That's what, it's, that's what it means. And that's why, okay, in the Bible, he says what? In the world you'll have tribulations, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world, right? So we still have tribulations even today, right? God says, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So even as Christians that live in this world, right? Our bones will break, right? We get sick, we will die, things will happen to us. But God says, it's okay, Habib, okay? You'll make it, and I'm there, I'll comfort you, and I will be next to you. Right? But this does not, or evil suffering continues while we are in this earth. Okay? So are we stuck with pain? In a sense, yes, temporarily, until we go to heaven. Can God stop this pain? So let's try to imagine a world where all the pain is gone. What does that mean? So it means that say, I grab a, a stick like this, and God creates wood for us to do good with it. So I'm chopping wood, I'm about to build a house, right? Something goes through my mind, I grab a piece of wood, I want to hit Kiro with it, right? Ghilis, I, I just want to, I, I nifseek it, okay? I want to I hit Kiro with it, sorry Kiro, it's your turn today, okay? But God loves Kiro so much, that as I come to hit Kiro, God transforms the piece of wood into a material that doesn't hurt him. So Kiro can't get hurt. When I get upset, I throw this down. I want to swear at him because I'm so pissed off. So I'm about to swear at him and the air refuses to carry like my word to Kiro's ear because God does not want to hurt Kiro's feelings. What happens at this point? What is happening here? Yes. Well, there's no more freedom of choice. Very good. Right? 
So if God would intervene, you always have these questions, right? What, how, why, why isn't God like stopping like the gun that is being pulled, right? Because if God starts, to talk, of course God protects, right? And God does miracles. But if this was done all the time, then what would happen is that, can you do bad? As a human being at this point, every time I come to choose something that is negative, something that is painful towards the other, God intervenes. That means that I cannot do anything that is evil anymore. And if I cannot do evil, can I do good? It's a tough question. If I cannot do evil, can I do good? No. Good becomes meaningless. Why is it meaningless? Because I'm forced to do it. It's the only choice. Again, what's your favorite food? A apple, B apple, C apple, right? So what C.S. Lewis says is this. Try to exclude the possibility of suffering. To exclude the possibility of suffering. Which the order of nature and existence of free wills involve. And you find that you have excluded life itself. Life becomes meaningless. Right? At this point, you have no more choice. Another very meaningful question. Well, actually, I just asked that, sorry. Okay. If evil does not exist, can you do good? No, you can't, right? Okay. Now, there's something called the mystery of pain. They even go to the point that they call it the gift of pain. Okay? So God is the creator. Again, creates without pain and suffering. Yet Christ himself, he becomes man. Does he go through suffering? Obviously, yes. So he becomes a human being in the fullest understanding of the world. Does he, does he suffer only physically? No. Right? He's betrayed by a friend. Right? He's denied by another friend. He had no way to lay his head. He had no home. He chose to be poor. So he went all the way down to the lowest of the levels. Right? He bore the cross, which is the worst type of death that existed. Not only from physical pain's perspective, but also from the perspective of being a curse. Right? Nobody can claim that they suffered more than Christ. Nobody. He went all the way down to the lowest of the lowest. Right? So that's why he's even born in a manger. He chose to become the lowest human being that exists on earth because he's carrying all humanity with him and he's lifting up all of this humanity. Right? But when he's incarnate in that way, he does something to this pain. Okay, so we all know that God is what? He's both what? Huh? Divine and human, right? So He's fully divine, fully human. The humanity He had was a very, very much the same humanity we have, right? Was that the corrupt humanity or the a perfect humanity that He took? Who says he took the perfect humanity? Who says the corrupt humanity? Who says I have no idea? Who says I don't care? 
So God actually took on the corrupt humanity. Why does he take on the corrupt humanity? Because again, salvation is healing. So because he takes the corrupt humanity, he's able to heal it. If he does not take the corrupt humanity, then there's no salvation. What is he healing? So the idea is that the mystery of pain is a God in his divinity took on that humanity. Now he has, we have a man that is both God and man. So fully divine, fully human. And the mystery of the incarnation is that in that divinity, right? He heals the humanity. That unity, the divinity heals the humanity. Why did Christ not sin? And was incapable of sin is because his divinity was united with his humanity. Because this humanity on its own would be very sinful. You understand? But that mystery, that union there, also healed or provided the gift of pain. It became like a medication for us. What does that mean? It means that as Christ was living his life, when Judas betrayed him, when Peter denied him, right? When the people that he would heal would say, crucify him, crucify him, regardless, all of these things. Every time he went through them and he reacted perfectly, it's as if he was healing this thing, this action. And now he's telling me, now you as a human being who is baptized, when you become baptized, you become part of the body of Christ, right? So I'm capable as a Christian now with his spirit within me to do the same. You know, sometimes when you go to a doctor, like for example, like at some point I broke my finger, okay? And my finger started healing on its own, but it was healing crooked, okay? So I actually couldn't bend it. So I had to go to the doctor, but it was, it was healed, خلاص. What did they have to do? They had to break it again. Right? So they broke my finger to heal my finger. Right? So, so they put me into pain, but I, I was drugged and it was fine. Okay? There was anesthesia. Right? So sometimes you have to go through pain to find healing. Pain now within Christianity, because Christ suffered it, became a source of our healing. That's why, for example, St. John Chrysostom, he speaks and says that sometimes God allows us to suffer physically for the sake of our souls. For us to repent and to find healing in our souls. That's why we find in the church, what do we do? Or actually, when you look at martyrs. Martyrs, they died for the name of Christ. You know what happened when the emperor became Christian? So martyrdom stopped. You know what happened? What started when martyrdom stopped? Monasticism. Very good. Why is that? Monasticism started when martyrdom stopped. So monasticism is also called white martyrdom. So the saints said, I can't die in Christ's name anymore, like physically, like literally. I'm going to go and give myself as a sacrifice in a different way. I'm going to go, I'm going to pray a lot, I'm going to fast a lot, and I'm going to keep a life of chastity, right? All these deep desires that we have, right? I'm going to sacrifice them to God. That's why God tells us, you know, imagine this. God, like, is, is being followed by hundreds and thousands of people, right? And instead of them telling them something positive, 
He tells them, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. Sorry, like from, a, from an earthly perspective, in Taganint, forgive me, right? Like you don't have any kind of sales tactics. Like what are you doing? You have this entire crowd that is following you and that's what you tell them. And you know who this crowd is? This crowd had their cousins, uncles, moms, friends, whomever, being crucified by the Romans in front of their eyes. And you're telling them, pick up your cross and follow me. To, to us, the cross is something that, like, it's a sign of power. To them, it was a curse. And they understood the pain of the cross. They saw family members and friends being crucified. And you tell them, deny yourself, pick up your cross, let the get in. Like, you're crazy. No, 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 he's not crazy. He says it as it is. He says, now I understand that you are in a corrupt state. And suffering is a given. But now, because I became man, this becomes medication for you. Right? So deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. So when you want to sin, deny yourself. When your friend is trying to drag you this way, say no, be strong. When your body is lazy, does not want to get up and pray, get up and pray. And this is, these are all very like tiny form of suffering. Right? When Abu Rabshoi came and prays for cancer and gets cancer, so he prayed for other people to be healed from cancer and he was not willing to pray for himself. Right? Again, when a monk or a nun starts living on their own and these long hours of fasting and vigils and like, what is this? Because in that suffering, that mystery of pain, we truly find healing. Listen to St. Peter what he says. He says, So Christ's divine power has been given to all of us. Oh, sorry. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So His divine power has given to us all things that pertains to life and godliness. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. So I can become not God's essence, but I can become like God in His characteristics because His divine power was given to me. Because the divine being became man. And therefore this divine power, I have access to it. And therefore I can be a partaker of Christ's divine nature or of his characteristics. Sincero here says the exact same thing. Look also what he says, very interesting. He says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, so he suffered as a human being, right? Arm yourselves also with the same mind, so have the same attitude. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. He who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. What does that mean? It means when I go hungry, so I'm fasting, you know, with abstinence, I go hungry. And eating is such a deep desire and instinct for the human nature. And I'm suffering against this and I say no. And I gain that self-control I'm also able to gain self-control over sin. 
When monks and nuns choose a life of chastity, which includes virginity, so chastity is the purity of the heart, right? Which includes the physical virginity. Again, which is a huge instinct for the human being. And they're able to control this. They're able to control other things as well. He who suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. But if this was not because Christ did it in his humanity while he was on earth, it would be absolutely meaningless. It would be a tool that has no power in it. But because Christ went through it, now this has power. And it's true power. And it's a power that I can tap into. Right? And therefore, it is called the gift of pain. It's a gift. While, again, it's not according to God's design, but it's a gift according to the state that we are in. Imagine, again, wanting to eliminate pain altogether. So imagine here you have a father and his child, right? So imagine, I love my kids so much. I want to make sure that my kids don't suffer at all, right? So my kid is trying to walk, but she falls, she'll get hurt. I don't want her to get hurt. No, Habibi, don't walk. Right? You know, when you have kids also, like every new food you give them, you have to give only one like type, one new type at a time to see if they're allergic or not. Okay? Right? So I'm afraid that my kid will be allergic. So no new food. Right? Go to school. You might fail exams. Oh, I'm going to suffer pain. No, forget it. No school. When I have friends, no, no, friends can really get annoying sometimes, right? No friends for you, right? Want to play outside? You can break your leg, forget it. No playing for you, right? You want to avoid pain? This is the consequence. So what's, what's the end result? A dumb child, because <laughs> he's not educated, right? Completely unhealthy. No friends. I don't want to say reject, but no friends, okay, <laughs> right? Does not know how to do anything. Right? We cannot avoid pain. In the state that we are in, pain is not avoidable. Okay, since C.S. Lewis said it, I'll say it now. But sometimes, what we want, he says it so nicely, he says, Often we do not want a father who is in heaven. We want a grandfather who is in heaven. Ice cream? Okay. Chocolate? Okay. We're about to eat. It doesn't matter. They feed you ice cream. It's fine. Okay. Parents would never do it. Right? So sometimes we want a grandfather who is in heaven. We want everything to go our way. To give us everything that we want. Right? And not to suffer any kind of pain. But this is not realistic all, that's not how it works. The sources of pain, I'm not going to go through it, but uh, I just want to say very clearly that we have this attitude that we think that everything that is painful or sickness comes automatically from God, and it's not true at all. Nature can, can do things. Human will from others can do things okay there is sometimes a pain that comes from god and if it comes from him it's always 
coming out of a place of love. Because whoever God loves, He chastens. Right? And because pain has become a gift that leads me to virtue, that leads me to sainthood, He allows me to go through it. Although He's not the one that did it, but He allows me to go through it. Some other times, in rare occasions, He will do it to bring me back. And that happens. Right? Someone that is far away from God, so get, getting into trouble, bang, like he's, he's fit, like he's, his head is hitting a wall, starts to wake up, wants to come back. So God does it sometimes. Never because he's angry, but because he's loving and caring, and he wants our salvation. And glory be to God forever. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.